Jmenuji se Gosia, pocházím z Warszawy, ale bydlím v Londynie. Mluvím česky. Posloucháte The Fluent Show. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello, my name is Kirsten from fluentlanguage.co.uk. I'm so excited to have you here listening to The Fluent Show today, where as always we're going to talk about something very interesting from the world of learning another language. In this episode, I am answering a listener question that came in. And it's all about whether learning another language can change your entire personality. Woohoo! It's a hot one. It's an interesting one. And I look forward to un- unriddling, riveling, raveling, unraveling the riddle together with you on this show. By the way, if you heard our little intro at the start of the show there, don't forget that you can also hear your own voice if you send and record a little intro for the Fluent Show. So this is listener-generated. That was listener Gosha speaking Czech. Thank you so much, Gosha. And if you also want to send us an intro recording, you can record it. And all you have to say in any language of your choice is your name, where you're from, which language you're speaking, and you're listening to the Fluent Show. Record that perhaps on your phone, and then email it to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk. That's all we need, and soon we'll be hearing you on the Fluent Show. This episode is brought to you with support from Yabla, the video database with lots of boosters, cool content, and interesting videos for language learners who are learning English, German, Italian, French, Spanish, or Chinese. There you go. Spanish, English, Italian, French, German, Chinese, six languages. Yabla features authentic content by native speakers. So, for example, YouTube videos, reality shows, or your soaps. If you can't get enough of soaps, why not watch them in your target language? There is a custom playback engine, fully bilingual subtitles with clickable vocab items, learning games, and flashcards. Yabla is the premier language learning video platform with tools to enhance conversational understanding and a patented dictation game that's new to the platform. So go ahead and check it out. You can stream authentic shows that you enjoy and learn a language at the same time. And for all listeners of The Fluent Show, there's a free whole month to try out Yabla to your heart's content so you can settle in with a winter movie make a hot chocolate and watch a video in your target language all of this you can get at yabla.com slash fluent show that's yabla.com slash fluent show and a big thank you to our patreon backers you can too join this group of extremely kind people by searching for fluent show on patreon and you get extra detailed show notes added videos and fun bonus episodes and outtakes from the editing room. This week's question is a question from Maria. Remember Maria? <laughs> the other half of her question was recently answered in episode 155. So if you're interested about stepping into fluency when you're already at a fairly advanced level, pop back and don't miss that episode. It's fluent.show slash 155. But today we're on what is it? What episode? Episode 161. 
<laughs> and this is what Maria wrote in this question. I've noticed that my husband's voice differs a lot when he speaks English or German or Polish. He is fluent at all of these languages, so the level of knowledge shouldn't really be the issue. I know I also sound different, or at least it feels that way. So Maria is Russian and uh, speaks German. I feel like I sound rougher in Russian and sweeter in German. <laughs> Might just be an illusion. I have even noticed it with you, Kirsten, when you said something in German in one of your episodes, you sounded much softer, almost like a different voice. Despite this stereotype of German being a harsh-sounding language. Anyway, I'd love to hear your opinion. And wow, Maria, this is a big one. The question at hand here, die Frage, die wir uns alle stellen, is what contributes to how we perceive a language? And could it be possible that learning another language can really change your personality? Really? Hmm. I have made a few notes and also I want to read you a few more quotes that I found in our Facebook group, Fluent Language Learners, um, where people shared more thoughts similar to Maria. So maybe you've had thoughts like these as well. For example, I have noticed that when I hear most Germans speak their mother tongue, it sounds like they're pissed off, but in actuality, they're not. Anybody learning Italian? Does it make you more argumentative? I am more of a quiet and shy person when I speak English and I feel like I become a stronger character when I speak Russian. Now, there's a lot at play there and a lot of different ideas of personality. So what, what we see at hand is that people really feel that other people and even themselves, even they themselves, behave and talk differently kind of as if they're different people, uh, have a different personality when they speak a different language. What? Could this really work? So there are lots of things at play here and there are two or three different aspects. And the key is thinking about what we think of different languages. So start with yourself and ask yourself, what do you think about the sounds of German? What do you think about Italian? What do you think about English? What do you think about Russian? And perhaps listen to the language and see what it brings up in you. So I encourage you, as part of an, a personal experiment here on the podcast, to try this out. Pay attention to these two different aspects that people assign attributes to. So they might say, this sounds harsh. This sounds gentle. They might even say this sounds sexy. There are the different sounds and different consonant sounds in particular. So consonants like l, m, n, the voiced, they're very gentle sounding to most people. Sounds like g, k, t, d, anything that kind of is more of a forced, more of an active expulsion of air, but not a fricative. So not a v, but something like a k, k. That is the kind of noise that we associate with, amongst other things, aggression and exertion. So as you can see, the different sounds, they don't really necessarily have anything to do with the language yet. But different languages may have different sounds occurring and different 
consonant clusters, different diphthongs, etc. Different sounds just occur in different languages. And we as humans associate different characteristics with those different sounds. And sometimes what happens is that we start to associate those characteristics with speakers of those languages rather than simply with the sounds. Secondly, there is, the there is also a different level of characteristics and different ideas that we assign to different countries or territories, different groups of people, in other words, stereotypes. And this is where the science of sociolinguistics comes in. So linguistics, obviously the science of language. Now, what is sociolinguistics? Sociolinguistics, according to the Linguistic Society of America, examines language use that is that symbolically represents fundamental dimensions of social behavior and human interaction. So in other words, language is a symbol for lots and lots and lots of different things. The words we use, the way we put them together, the way we interact, it stands for our social behavior and our human interaction. Sociolinguistics includes the study of language attitudes, which can be about the status of certain languages and the status of certain languages in certain places. So think about the role and perhaps also what that means about perceptions of, say, French in France versus French in Canada versus French in Senegal. The, the language will have completely different roles, will have a completely different status in each of these places. Language attitudes, so these ideas that we have about languages and speakers of those languages, can be influenced by power dynamics, history, how language has spread to different communities, social, economic circumstances, and they exist on a large population level, such as what do, let's say, the English think about speakers of Scottish Gaelic? And they exist on an individual level. What do you as an individual associate with the sounds, the words, the language of Let's say German. And it's, this reminded me about something that Monica Reardon discussed. So that's Professor Emoji. If you think back on the podcast, we had Monica on who uh, researches how we communicate affect online. And Monica talked about something called egocentricity. Egocentricity is essentially, the meaning of that is that you as the listener, as the audience of any expression, it could be an emoji, it could be a GIF on the internet, not a GIF, maybe a GIF, maybe a GIF, it's a GIF. It could be a GIF on the internet, <laughs> or it could be the sounds of a language that isn't your native language. All of that filters through how you perceive the world. So all the thoughts that you might have about a different language, Italian, argumentative, German, pissed off, or maybe gentle and kind, <laughs> Russian, could be lots and lots of different things. All of that filters through all of your experiences and the attitudes that you have encountered to that language and that group of people before. And remember here that it doesn't even have to be about languages and different groups of people because we have plenty of thoughts as people about accents too. So here in Britain, a regional accent may be considered warm and friendly and kind and trustworthy and a speaker of received pronunciation or sort of upper class clear-cut 
English would be considered, could be considered arrogant or could be considered sophisticated and highly educated. It really depends on what we think about those people. So that's language attitudes. That's the first factor that contributes to how we perceive a language. The second factor I wanted to talk about is pragmatics. Now, pragmatics is essentially the study of language in use and the way that we use language to actually negotiate and manage and get through social interaction. And each language, this is where we start to think about this, comes with its own rules of usage and its own norms and its own cultural contexts. So think about how differently people interact in, say, Japan, where if you want to mark respect, you add san to somebody's first name. So you, we, the, the language itself instantly expresses respect in a way that we in, in, in Britain, for example, we may be possibly be able to express it by saying something like Mr. or Mrs. Or if the person has an academic title, to use that title. But it, but it's nowhere near as common and it is not perceived in the same way. So each language comes with its own usage and norms. And that's not just linguistic norms. Each group of people has its own norms of behavior and its own different ways of marking respect, marking politeness, showing aggression and so on. Think Americans, Australians and Brits. So here I have, I have my experience is that I've studied politeness studies and I think that's an extremely interesting place to look if you want to think about intercultural awareness and intercultural pragmatics. So politeness is essentially a, a default, our default state. It's how we go through the world. If you want something from another person, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you want. You might want them to step aside. You might want them to open a window. You might want their attention if you're in a shop and you want them to sell you something. You know, like a, a million times a day, we want something from somebody else. That's just the, the standard of communication. And sometimes this, we need politeness because we need to ensure that we communicate consistently that we are a society, let's say, at peace. You know, we are able to walk through this world wanting and getting these things from other people and still being able to walk through the world because they know, oh, I'm, I don't want more than just this little thing I'm asking and I'm not threatening you. Oh, it's often considered, it's called a face threat. So I'm not threatening you and I'm not threatening your honor. And, you know, I don't think you're my servant. I just, I just see you as an equal. There's no threat from me, but please do this thing for me. So that's what politeness is about. Sometimes this politeness can be communicated through indirectness. For example, if I say, oh, it's cold in here. Oh, is the window open? That to many people, if the window is obviously open, translates to please close that window not even please just close that window but the way I chose to do it is to not even ask I am indirectly expressing it or you may want to express things through a lot of deference like we said earlier the the sun at the end of the name or if you want to say you could use flatteries you could go ah oh, you're so tall you can reach that window would you please so there is a would you please which presumes, which doesn't necessarily presume they're going to do it. And there is also a bit of a compliment and a bit of a, I'm giving a bit of a rationale and I'm saying like, oh, you're so tall. So this use of different 
ways of politeness, linguistic markers. This is how the language usage shows us, and the that's how it becomes measurable. It's how the words that we use show us how respect is communicated. And there's been um, there's a wonderful scholar called Lynn Murphy who studies the differences between American and British English, and she has recently looked into the study of, or she has recently looked into the use of please between American and British English, and it's absolutely different. So once again, even between the same language, the way that language is used, the cultural norms, the group, inner group norms can differ. It, it's not necessarily about, you know, are Italians more argumentative or are Americans, you know, are Americans more aggressive? Are Americans rude in any way? No, no, of course not. But the way the language expresses how people respectfully live together changes. So you can see same language, different, arguably, personalities. And this also can influence how you speak the other language, of course, because when you're learning another language, you're not just learning a language, you are learning all of those cultural norms, if you're doing it right, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, you might stick out like a sore thumb. So when we talk about how somebody is, how somebody is in those languages, so again, we're talking about high level. So that person at this point isn't necessarily seen as, as just a learner anymore. Maria in the question talks about her husband speaking English, German or Polish, who is he, and he is fluent in all of those languages, but maybe he's slightly different. So he's expressing himself slightly differently in German, English and Polish. And given what we just discussed and all the pragmatics and um, the different cultural norms, that's what would be expected. And I've got this wonderful conclusion here from the study, another study, is personality modulated by language? This was published in the International Journal of Bilingualism. It's got four authors. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes for this, which are at fluent.show slash 161. And it says, we administered German and Spanish versions of the neuroticism, extroversion, openness, five-factor inventory. So that's a personality inventory. We administered this inventory to two groups of late bilinguals, meaning second language learners, of these two languages, German and Spanish. Regardless of individual's first language, both groups scored higher on extroversion and neuroticism when Spanish was the test language. In turn, scores on agreeability were higher when German was used as the test language. The results are interpreted as evidence for cultural frame shifts consistent with cultural norms associated with the presently used language. Beyond the acquisition of linguistic skills, learning a second language seems to provide individuals with a new range of perceiving and displaying their own personality. There we have a very, very good summary of what happens to you when you are learning another language, you start expressing yourself to accommodate the way the cultural norms fit around speakers of that language. So you pick up different ways of expressing yourself and it can be seen and it can be perceived by others and perceived by yourself as well as a different angle of your own personality. It's not, quite, it's not quite that your personality completely changes, but it is true, according to this study, 
And according to lots of other evidence that is also consistent with this, it is true that when you learn a language, you pick up how speakers of that language behave. And as groups of people, as tribes of people, we do have groups behaviors, group behaviors. Now, finally, I also want to throw a third consideration into the mix. So we've talked about how we perceive other languages. We talk about, we, we have learned about how we pick up other languages. And finally, I want to talk about our own language skills and our levels of self-consciousness as a learner. So the learner identity, I'm a German learner as opposed to a, I'm a German speaker, that's a different identity and that influences how we express ourselves authentically. So sometimes you may feel like you're not you're not quite yourself yet in your target language. And and often when I when I do language coaching sessions, the conversations touch on, in many ways, they touch on how can we make it, how can we reach a point in our target language where we feel like we can be ourselves. And that is a question I have to you listeners as well. Fluent fam, how are you yourself? Remember when I spoke to Maria Ortega-Garcia here on the podcast? That was a big part of that discussion. And she uses poetry, for example, to bring it out of yourself and that idea of playing with the target language. I've got a quote here from Angela, who is also in the Facebook group. And she asked, she brought this question as well of personality. She says, I had a conversation at work with a colleague today where he said he had spoken with a previous colleague I had worked with in English. And they had a totally different impression of my personality than he had. This is mainly due to shyness and embarrassment about making errors, meaning I am much quieter in my new job versus being a confident and outgoing person in my previous role. So what's happening to Angela here is, is that a lot of, I, I think a lot of things are coming together. The first one is that her identity as a, as a learner of her target language, I think she, she works in a different country to where she's originally from, a learner of her target language means that she holds back when expressing herself. So naturally, her personality might be dis perceived differently. And I think a lot of people, when we are concerned about making errors in our target language, we become a little quieter. Or there's sometimes just an occasion where you, there's just nothing that you can say. Or you are too busy listening, trying to work out what's going on. And some people might perceive that as quieter. The other thing that is happening here with Angela is one of her colleagues spoke to another colleague about her and the two colleagues also might just see people differently and they may interpret behaviors and they may interpret interactions differently anyway. So we're back to the idea of the egocentricity as well. Remember, nothing's really universal because we perceive the world the way that we perceive it. Now, as a learner as well, Your personality or perceived personality or the way you express yourself, you where you express your own personality, I find it so, so contentious to say personality, may be affected. So the way that you express who you are may be affected by who you learned the language from and how you learned the language. If you learned... Bulgarian from, I don't know, a babushka, a friendly old lady, you might talk like an old lady, right? And different word choices are just available to you because as a learner, you pick them up differently. 
You might even feel more free in your target language. I know, I swear, effin and jeffin, I swear way more in English than I do in German. And this was the strongest in my first five, six years in England. And that's because I didn't know, I didn't have memories of social consequences for swearing. In my environment, it wasn't a big... It wasn't a big detriment. I was at university. It's okay to swear with your friends. And I just never got told off for it when I was a little kid. And as I get older, there are certain environments like this podcast where I hold back on swearing and you wouldn't hear me swearing. So I start adjusting who I am. Oh, ever so slightly, I start adjusting how, my, how an aspect of my personality might express itself according to the environment that I am in. So in conclusion, we've got three different aspects here. We talked about how you think about a language, how you pick up a language yourself, <coughs> and finally, your own learner status. And then we also mentioned that um, this doesn't necessarily just go for languages, but accents. So different personality in a different language? I personally don't think so. I think you're not a different person but you are fitting into a completely different set of norms and cultural circumstances, which means in a different language, you naturally have a different way of expressing yourself. And that even goes for non-linguistic aspects of communication, like gestures, the tone of your voice, and when and where you pause and defer to another speaker. Absolutely. Because if you didn't pick up those things when you learn another language, you would be lacking in emotional and cultural intelligence, which would make you a poorer communicator. So all in all, the richness of the different ways that different groups of people express themselves is what comes together here. Maria, I hope you found this interesting. So these were my thoughts and listeners, I would love to hear from you. So come along to the Facebook group. It's Fluent Language Learners. Or if you're not on Facebook or you want to tell a story personally, you can also email me. And that is hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk. And once again, if you can, please consider backing us on Patreon by searching Fluent Show on Patreon. Lots and lots of exciting things there. And of course, I'm going to put even more links into the show notes, including some of the most fascinating and absolute classics in um, politeness research that I really enjoyed when I was doing my masters. That's it from The Fluent Show, episode 161. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Bye-bye.